Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Appreciate you guys tuning in on this Tuesday as SMU continues preparation for Cincinnati, all set for 8 o'clock Central on ESPN2 Saturday night. And we're going to talk a little bit about what needs to get fixed from SMU's win over Tulane in overtime. But first, I want to lead off with recruiting news. Last week, SMU landed a commitment From 2021, Pasadena Sam Rayburn, defensive end Jalen Samuels, one of the biggest risers in the state of Texas so far this senior season. He's played in about four games now, I believe, and he's just been terrific. Somebody that uh, a lot of schools have their eyes on. I think both um, Power 5 in-state schools as well as schools like SMU um, and, and some of these Power 5 programs that already went ahead and offered him just off of his first couple games. Uh, and a really good pickup here for defensive line coach Randall Joyner, who offered in really early October, along with the, uh, the, the rest of the schools that have really offered, uh, Houston, UTSA, Colorado, Arizona State, and Wyoming. And for SMU to get Jalen Samuels on board now, I mean, one, he was really a, a basketball prospect early on in his high school development, and somebody that was kind of viewed as somebody who could end up playing, I think probably in more of the low mid-major uh, type of programs uh, around the state, uh, and and just you know as he if he would have gotten more, uh, I think exposure over the last year or so, he could have really developed into a big-time basketball prospect you know, on on that level. I think um, some of those schools fighting fighting for him. He's six seven two twenty five. Uh, he's going to be one of the highest rated prospects in SMU's class and the thing that ends up making this land especially impressive I would say is you have schools like Mississippi State, Texas, Texas A&M and others at the power five level that have been looking at Jalen Samuels as a, a potential offer and somebody that I feel like could end up picking up those offers and a lot of our, our recruiting analysts feel the same around the network. So for Randall Joyner to go ahead and get him on board and and get a prospect that he can mold into something uh, that that is really ha- that who really has a chance to be a special prospect uh, from uh, I think on the NFL level is a big deal and to do it in only a couple of weeks is even more impressive and they've had a relationship going for a while now they've been in contact but the thing that stood out to me when Jalen Samuels committed last week is he said, look, I'm sticking by my decision. I'm comfortable with my decision and I'm sticking with it. And I I interviewed him and the interview just dropped on Pony Stampede. But the thing that stood out to me is that he said, this is a school that I feel like I'm, I am comfortable committing to because of the degree I'm getting, the value of the degree that I'm getting. And when he spoke with SMU players and he spoke with some former players as well on his virtual visit, 
the thing that stood out to him was how the coaching staff and the school in general has helped them on and off the field, and especially academically. I mean, when we first interviewed him about his offer, the thing that stood out to him was, this is a school that costs $70,000 a year, and I can go there for free. And so I think that caught his eye early on. And even when I interviewed him and he, and he told me, yeah, I'm going to drag this out and you know see what I pick up over the course of my senior year, I fully expected him to do that. And I got word that you know things were trending in the right direction and we reached out to him and, and he confirmed as, as much and then, boom, committed uh, there on, um, I believe it was Wednesday night last week. So, you know, big shout out to Randall Joyner and the job that they did identifying him and not being afraid to pull the trigger and offer after these first few games of the of his uh, uh, senior season and to get somebody that at 6'7", 225 gives you something that you really don't have on this defensive line. So that makes it three commitments for Randall Joyner in his class and you know timely that Jalen Samuels went ahead and committed because another big target for SMU, Braylon Jackson, the Mansfield Lake Ridge defensive lineman, defensive end, defensive tackle. He plays defensive end in his school's three-man front. He dropped his top three on Monday night, and SMU made the cut along with Arizona State and Colorado, which is, I would say, as expected as could be. Those have been probably the, you know, especially SMU and Arizona State, those have been the three, the the two schools that have been standing out the most. The crystal ball reads SMU, feel pretty good about Braylon Jackson being a Mustang at this point, and He's a top 50 defensive end in the country on 24-7 sports. I think the thing about Braylon Jackson is he's probably going to sit right about where he is on the rankings, I would say. I got a chance to watch him live last uh, week, two weeks ago uh, now almost. And just that three-man front doesn't allow him to do a lot of the things that I feel like he could do really well. It's not an attacking style. Uh, They like him to hold, hold blocks and occupy two blockers and his frame, though, is really impressive. I think when I look at what SMU's done with Devere Levelston, uh, who they landed out of junior college just in a few months, uh, when I look at what Toby and Deckway now looks like, uh, uh, I look at what Junior Ajo's uh, looks like, and even though he kind of did that a lot on his own, this is the type of prospect that, you know, t- come two years from now, he's going to be in that 280, 285, 90-pound range and he's got some length to him, he's got some size, uh, and he certainly has some athleticism. I, I think he ran pretty well when I watched him. I think he just had has kind of a, I would say, a tough go in that three-man front. Uh, he drew a, a matchup with a Baylor commitment uh, whose name escapes me, but uh, they double-teamed him pretty much the entire night. Uh, but Braylon Jackson has been uh, a huge target for SMU for a long, long time. Um, and him cutting his list down to three, I think, says he's moving closer to a commitment, uh, you know, coming up here in the near future. We'll keep our eye on that. Um, but Braylon Jackson is, is next up for SMU on the defensive line as far as who they want to get on board. And then from there, they're going to swing for the fences uh, with David Abiara, the Mansfield legacy defensive lineman who's been committed to Notre Dame for quite some time now. Uh, SMU. Oklahoma, Texas, all chasing him, trying to get him to flip. Uh, we'll see if they can do that. It would be a big, big deal if they can make that happen because, I mean, he is uh, he's a really special player, somebody who's going to be really, really good. Um, and then on the SMU basketball recruiting front, as you're listening to this, and by, by the time you're listening to this, we'll have a post on our, on our board uh, here about this. But 
uh, Zurich Phillips, or excuse me, Zurich Phelps out of Duncanville High School, right in the Dallas area, has set his commitment date. Uh, he's supposed to announce uh, on Wednesday night around 7.30, and we're keeping an eye on that one. This is somebody that I think with, one, he had a little bit of eligibility uh, issues when he transferred from out in West Texas at Midland Lee, and um, he's now set to announce his commitment Wednesday night. Haven't put a crystal ball pick in just yet, but uh, don't be surprised if I do at some point. He's somebody that uh, the staff has, you know, circled and 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 they feel pretty good about. I I, I would think from what I understand, and so uh, we are keeping an eye on Zurich Phelps, uh, and you know he's got offers from DePaul, East Carolina, a few others, and so we're keeping an eye on him. Uh, we'll let you know what we hear on Pony Stampede. So head in the board for that, but. Um, you know, SMU basketball that would give them two commitments with some size here in the uh, uh, in the 2021 class with Jalen Smith, who's getting close to about six five, I would say, out of the Oak Ridge uh, program in Orlando. He's more of a two guard. Zerk Phelps is more of a point guard, uh, and he's a top ten player in Texas. So pretty impressive uh, land if they were able to pull it off. We'll keep you guys in the loop on that and kind of. Uh, where things are trending there in the final hours. It's kind of been an under-the-radar recruitment, um, and SMU hasn't you know, technically extended an offer just yet. So keeping an eye on that one uh, moving forward, we'll see if maybe uh, Jay Duncan and Tim Jankovic, who have been recruiting him, uh, you know, you know, have a little bit of surprise on the way for SMU basketball fans with uh, Zurich Phelps. With that, guys, we have covered a good bit of recruiting. Uh, I don't really have too much else to share on uh, really anything else, but I, I guess I'll leave you with this. I did get a chance to uh, go out and watch Savion Bird uh, about a week and a half ago now, um, and I, I feel like he's somebody that is is in really good shape as a top 100 prospect. I was impressed with him playing against IMG Academy in just his second game back at left tackle. And I think that's the thing that stood out to me is he showed all the makings of being one of the top offensive tackles in the country, somebody that can certainly develop into, um, especially at SMU's level, an elite offensive tackle uh, at, at the uh, AAC level. I think he'd be a very, very good right tackle at the SEC and the Big 12 level. He's got that quickness. He's got that size. He's really got some nice strength to him as well. Uh, he worked over some really, really high-quality commitments uh, to other or uh, prospects, I should say, to uh, uh, like elite, elite level prospects you know, in, inside the top 25 overall prospects in the country. Xavion Sori, uh, who's a five-star prospect, he worked him over a few times. So uh, a really talented um, prospect that I think is just growing into his own, you know, at that position, you know, now that he's back after moving over from defensive tackle last year, uh, after he moved over from offensive tackle to play defensive tackle last year. Um, but Savion Bird, I was really impressed with him. SMU continues to be one of the top schools in the mix for him. And we'll continue to monitor where that one goes. But other than that, guys, we're coming down to you know the final two months. You know, I, I think today is October twentieth. I haven't looked exact the the exact date for the early signing period, but it's coming up. It's right around the corner, um, and you know it's going to be a race to the finish. See who signs early. How this twenty twenty one class decides to go about their final months of their recruitments, or if they're going to take it out into the spring, like somebody like Savion Bird has talked about. So. It'll be interesting to follow. Don't be afraid to use the $1 uh, for the first month deal that Pony Stampede has ongoing uh, at PonyStampede.com to pick up a subscription and uh, follow it. 
Uh, we've been having a, a good bit of uh, recruiting coverage, and then uh, of course a lot of the team scoop. You know, the pregame notes. You know, you guys heard about Justin Osborne being out for the Tulane game way before anyone else did, or you noticed watching the broadcast. We had that in our pregame VIP notes, um, and so uh, we also already dropped a, a good bit of notes in the ten at ten um, for SMU for the postgame of SMU Tulane. So. Uh, people are enjoying that. Hope you guys are uh, enjoying the subscriptions if you've already jumped on board. But with that, we're going to take a quick break from the Pony Stampy podcast. We'll be right back after this. We're going to tackle some of the what's next for SMU as far as what to fix after SMU beat Tulane in overtime on Friday night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Wanted to quickly remind you guys to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate all you guys that have done that already. Um, SMU head coach Sonny Dykes met with the media on Monday for his weekly media availability and and some takeaways for me and I think I'll start with the one that probably drove everyone nuts watching that game and it was uh it was TQ Jackson who got really his first taste I would say of returning punts for SMU in a big way and uh it was it was tough to watch as he uh really struggled in the punt return game for SMU uh, I think that's a position that you know, Sonny Dykes, you know, said, look, we're going to evaluate that over the course of uh, this week of practice and see who's, you know, who might take over that position, uh, who might uh, get a new look, you know, some things to work on with TQ, who's really, I mean, he technically, he's a, he's a sophomore, um, you know, he's a true sophomore, but he's, his year is going to be counted as a freshman, I guess, um, I, I think, uh, the, with the way this eligibility situation is going. Um, or he'll stay a sophomore or whatever, but he's listed as a, uh, I guess he redshirted last year for Arkansas, so that's why he's listed as a freshman. So anyway, he'll be a redshirt freshman uh, next year as well with eligibility not counting in my roundabout way of figuring that one out. But he had three returns for negative six yards, and, uh, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't anything to write home about by any means. Uh, really rough, you know, scenario for him, I, I think, coupled with the fact that Tyler Page ran into him, which is a, Another thing that Sonny Dyke said they've got to clean up, but I think for the punt return position, don't be surprised if you see somebody else back there returning kicks um, and and somebody who you know gets a fresh look. I think Sonny Dykes mentioned the thing that was important was that they just catch the ball and and you know when you give this offense decent field position, it's going to be fine. 
you know, the opening drive, they should have been really at midfield with a terrible punt, and uh, instead Tulane takes it and uh, gets a turnover and scores, and you know we're off to the races for a uh, dogfight, as Sonny Dykes put it. So I think there's going to be a change there. I expect to see Justin Osborne back at right guard. Sonny Dykes said that on his media availability as well, so that'll help the offensive line. I didn't think Cameron Irvin played too badly uh, at right guard. I thought he got the majority of the reps, played pretty well, actually. Um, but that offensive line is just way different when it comes to uh, where SMU's at um, from a physicality perspective, I think from an athleticism perspective, which will really help against Cincinnati. Uh, their defense is one of the best in the country year after year, even though this year I would say they haven't really played you know, a, an elite level of competition. But uh, Luke Fickle does a great job with that program. He's one of the hottest names in coaching because of it. Uh, this is going to be their first test. And they didn't play last week against Tulsa. I think they're pretty much all ready to go from what it seems like. And so SMU's offensive line is going to have to be ready for a battle, ready to, uh, I think, take Cincinnati's obviously best shot. But the thing that I mean about that is they've had, you know, what amounts to two weeks to prepare for SMU. And that goes just as much for the coaches as um, it does for the players. And with Cincinnati, they always do a great job. I mean, it just very rarely are they off their game, and it's going to take one of the better performances that SMU's had to beat Cincinnati. And when you look at SMU's offensive line, and you can say this as a whole for the offense, and Sonny Dykes mentioned this about Shane Bouchelle as well, maybe this, and not a maybe, this, this team hasn't played up to its best. And the thing about it, though, is, and this isn't a defense, you have to, I said this on the podcast the week prior, you have to be able to go into a game when you're the favorite on the road and take care of business like SMU did last year against USF. Tulane is a much, I would say, physical, tougher, uh, mentally tough program at this point, which explains why they bounce back so well from uh, having you know their doors blown off in the second half by Houston, quite honestly. And SMU has to bounce back in the same way because they didn't play their best. And that's in a way, also a positive. An SMU team in the past would have lost that game against Tulane. They would have folded at certain moments, and they wouldn't have been able to figure it out. But they did. They're 5-0. and They got by it. Anything on the road in this conference at this point, I mean, you take. I don't know if there's a team that I would sit back and say, wow, if they don't you know, blow them out, this wouldn't be a, you know, you, you got to have some real concern now, on the road. But, it's just that type of league and uh, weird things happen in the AAC. It really, I mean, look at Tulsa beating UCF and ending their, their home winning streak. So it's impressive to go on the road and win. That said, SMU has to play better than it did. Uh, this is going to be a, a game where the team that limits turnovers, the team that limits penalties, team that doesn't make mistakes, is probably going to come out on top. And, you know, I know that's captain obvious, but we've seen, you know, kind of go a bunch of different ways at times. But if Shane Bouchelle plays a clean game, which he did against Tulane, credit to him, if you cut down on penalties, and if the defense can, you know, probably force a couple more turnovers, this is a game where SMU should be able to get enough possession, should be able to win the game and move to 6-0 and and be, quite frankly, in the big-time driver's seat. I mean, they'd be real, real uh, pretty in terms of their chances to make the AAC title, uh, if that's the case. But um, Cincinnati is going to bring it. 
So I think SMU has done a decent job this year of making adjustments for the most part defensively when things have gone wrong. Uh, We saw that against Memphis when the wheels totally came off the wagon. We saw that against Tulane when they really started to gash them on on the ground. SMU made some adjustments and was able to force Michael Pratt to have a very pedestrian game as a quarterback. But it is uh, certainly a a game that SMU is going to have to play better than they did against Tulane. And I I think you have games like that against Tulane where you just get by and now you have this game that you've been waiting for and you're not sitting there at 4-1 and kicked off that you've blown a grand opportunity at an undefeated season and now you're motivated even more so to to bounce back with a good good performance a good game this time it's all the cards are on the table here it is undefeated undefeated top 15 well top 16 I guess matchup Cincinnati number nine SMU number 16 it's got a chance to be a really good ball game and the thing about it is is you know it's been kind of debated on our board well is SMU battle tested are they are they too tired or what have you? Well, I, I think SMU's done a decent job of managing reps, of managing players as far as their game shape. I really do. Um, I think especially on the offensive side of the ball, with the running back rotation, I think with the defensive side of the ball and the defensive line, they've, they've done a good job of that. And that's a positive. And the thing about it with, with Cincinnati is, they haven't played in a while, and we saw this against against Memphis. Will SMU be able to jump out to a lead like they did against Memphis um, against Cincinnati? I don't know if that'll be the case, but the good thing is, is SMU has played. They've been playing good teams. They certainly uh, have had their hands full at times with you know their 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 opponents. But uh, the good news is, is they really haven't wavered. And I've said this a lot about about this SMU team. They haven't wavered much at all when they faced adversity and just early prediction I, I do think SMU gets the win against Cincinnati because of that I think Shane Bouchelle is a far better quarterback than Desmond Ritterd. Uh I, I think that's something that especially this year in the first few games has really kind of been uh, shown and, and Shane Bouchelle hasn't played his best but he hasn't played bad he hasn't been he hasn't been struggling and I, I think Desmond Ritter has kind of regressed a little bit more than than people have kind of thought he might have uh, when it comes to coming into this season and he was viewed as one of the better quarterbacks uh, in the AAC but really I mean he's he's only thrown 597 yards uh, six touchdowns four interceptions uh, that is not something that has been uh, you know, anything to write, write home about uh, this is a third year starter at quarterback who's completing just 60 percent of his passes and so it's a uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, what? How does he do uh, this year against SMU? He's taken three sacks on the year, which isn't too bad. Um, but he's also uh, having one of his better yards per uh, yards per attempt averages on his career so far. So kind of an up and down year for him. He really hasn't, I would say, had his best game by any means. Uh, but Desmond Ritter is probably going to be your X factor here. Uh, they're coming off a game against USF where he threw two touchdowns and three picks. Completed 61% of his passes for 143 yards. Uh, didn't do much on the ground, which is kind of a, a, an area of his game that he can really bring. And I think that's kind of a concern for SMU when you look at what Michael Pratt did to them. But overall, I mean, if SMU can contain Ritter, not let him break off big runs, and just kind of play the way that play the way they've playing been playing, 
Brandon Crosley could very well come up with another interception. It's just one of those games where if SMU can force some turnovers and Cincinnati's been prone to them at times this year, they can come away with a win and and, and move to 6-0. So uh, we'll come back with a full game preview. My uh, uh, friend of mine, Brandon, Brandon Seho, who covers the Bearcats up in Cincinnati, is going to join us on uh, the preview podcast we're going to record tomorrow and, and catch up about uh, the season, kind of uh, where the Bearcats are at after having their game postponed against two, uh, against Tulsa, I should say, um, and where the program uh, just is heading into this game with SMU. It's a big one, Saturday night in Ford Stadium in Dallas, 8 o'clock Central. We'll have you guys all covered on Pony Stampede. For now, we're going shut to shut down this edition of the pod. Hope you guys enjoyed it and are having a great week. Appreciate all you guys tuning in. Have a good one. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.